Welcome back to FF Plus, everyone, for a second episode this week. This is your spoiler-free outlet for movie reviews, entertainment recommendations, and discussions. I'm your host, Aaron White, and I have another couple of films to review for you. Our format here is very straightforward. I will cover what I like, what I didn't like, and I will give you a recommendation. It's simple, it's short, and as I've said, always spoiler-free. The first film to cover is Luck from Apple TV+. Plus. It stars the voice work of Jane Fonda, Whoopi Goldberg, Simon Pegg, Ava Noblezada, Flula Borg, Lil Ray Howry, Colin O'Donohue, John Ratzenberger, and Adeline Spoon. It is directed by Peggy Holmes, written by Keel Murray, and also co-written by two of the guys who were responsible for the Kung Fu Panda set of films. What's it about? When an unlucky girl stumbles upon the never-before-seen world of good and bad luck, she teams up with magical creatures to uncover a force more powerful than even luck itself. Now, if that isn't an animated film tagline, I don't know what is. That is really kind of tipping the hat about what this film is going to say in the end, and you could guess it right now, and you would 99% chance you'd be correct. The story kind of kicks off with a girl named Sam who is turning 18 and aging out of an orphanage. She's really close to another young uh, girl that is part of this. It's a girl's home and another member of this living establishment she's been in. Her name is Hazel. And Sam is a little bit reluctant to leave Hazel alone. So Sam's, you know, been her, spent her lifetime in the system, very much kind of an older version of what Hazel is now. Sam has never been able to find that forever home, and she is being put out onto her own, where she's going to have her own apartment, and she's going to have her own job and be responsible for herself. The kicker here is that Sam has bad luck. So everything that Sam tries to do tends to go terribly, terribly wrong. So you can imagine this means we get a lot of hijinks and comedy from just the things that Sam is trying to do in everyday life that don't go right because she has this invisible bubble of bad luck around her. Eventually, she meets the cat that you'll see prominently on the posters for this film. Cat's name is Bob, and Bob goes on a little bit of an adventure with her and ends up introducing her to this other world where good luck and bad luck are separated and essentially both are used and manufactured and pumped into the world as we know it in order to provide random amounts of good luck and bad luck to people. But everything that happens within the fantastical world of luck itself is basically a stereotype of some kind or a pun related to the idea of luck. In fact, the word luck, I'm saying it so many times in this podcast, I'm already tired of it because in the movie, I think it was probably mentioned 200 plus times, the word luck or lucky. It just gets repetitively used over and over and over. And it really kind of wore on me, to be honest. I was just so done with that word itself. The fantastical world of luck you know, it's managed by leprechauns. It's got gold and rainbows and just 
everything you could kind of even potentially associate with the idea of luck. It's there. The premise of the story is basically positing that there is something out there that is in control of who gets good luck and who gets bad luck. And it's a little bit off-putting to me, to be honest. I was struggling with this because while this ends up being a decent movie, it is harmless, it's passable, it's very cute, it's an easy little adventure with lots of adorable creatures and a sweet central friendship as well between Sam and the cat Bob. And, you know, overall themes of uh, luck not separating people and trying to accept that you live with what you have. But for me, I couldn't get away from the fact that the movie was existing in this world where you didn't have control. So even if it was trying to tell us we should look at our, quote, luck, good or bad, and just roll with the punches and not look at it as good luck or bad luck and rather as just who we are, the reality of this story is that there is this other thing that is creating these circumstances. And, and that bothers me because it was a lot to overcome. I just, I couldn't get out of my own head because characters don't have choice. Basically, the idea here is almost that the entire world is like devoid of choice. It is a random chance as to whether you are getting luck or bad, good luck or bad luck. And therefore, you just kind of have to roll with it. And I, I don't know. I, I get that they're trying to create a world around this concept. But for me, it just felt like a concept that had been stretched way, way too far. And it got really thin, really quick. I thought that the world itself was mildly interesting, but it's fairly simplistic. Everything goes right in the good luck world. Everything goes bad in the bad luck world. And it's just a barrage of jokes. And the film kind of drags to me. I felt like it really went on a little bit longer than it probably should have. The pace kind of was not up to the speed that I wanted it to be moving for something this middling. And even the resolution of the film, which ultimately I think is supposed to be heartwarming, I just never connected with this movie on any sort of intellectual level. And I liked where the characters end up because it's a sweet conclusion. And I think that kids will really enjoy that and be happy about that. But again, what is it actually saying if you look at the world that they've created as to how they're living their lives and what are they actually in control of? Those are the things that, in my opinion, a Pixar movie or a lot of Japanese animation would be able to dive into that on a deeper level than we see in this movie. This is real cookie cutter stuff here. The other thing I wanted to mention is that there is one random scene in the middle of the movie that I just found to be completely peculiar. The actress Ava Maria Noblezada is actually an American actress and singer. So she made her Broadway debut in the revival of Miss Saigon and she won a Tony Award for Best Actress in a Leading Role, so in a musical. So she definitely was, or I'm sorry, she didn't win the Tony Award. She was nominated for a Tony Award for Best Actress in a Leading Role in a Musical. 
She clearly has a singing background, and there's just this one spot in the middle of the movie out of nowhere that she busts into song. It doesn't feel like it makes any sense at all. It's completely out of left field, and it just felt like such a studio choice. One of those like, oh, we have a, an actor, voice actor who is known for her singing voice, so therefore we must create this one song to put in this movie so that we can give her a song to sing, so that we can have a single to maybe play on the radio or to potentially put out there for some sort of Oscar consideration. It won't be. But I think that that was the thought process behind it because there was really no story reason that warranted it. I mean, they give a story reason, but it's inconsequential like compared to the building up of her character up until that point. So I, I just was a little annoyed by the choice and it felt so blatant to me that it was a turnoff. So Luck will be available streaming on Apple TV Plus on August the 5th. I do think that this is a good movie for your kids, younger kids especially, if you have them. Anywhere from toddlers to elementary school age will probably get a pretty good kick out of this one. You can put it on, like I said earlier, it's harmless and it is completely passable and it is watchable. But if you're an adult... Just don't expect to be walking away with any sort of contemplation or deeper emotional connection to it. The second film to review today is Prey from Hulu. It stars Amber Midthunder, Dakota Beavers, Dane Deliagro, Stormy Kip, Michelle Thrush, and Julianne Black Antelope. It is directed by Dan Trachtenberg, and it is written by Patrick Azon and based on the Predator franchise by Jim and John Thomas. What's it about? A skilled Comanche warrior protects her tribe from a highly evolved alien predator that hunts humans for sport. Fighting against wilderness, dangerous colonizers, and this mysterious creature to keep her people safe. Now, I will 100% agree with something that I read in a Dan Trachtenberg interview just a couple of days ago, which was he said that originally they had put together this marketing package and they really had hoped to keep this movie a secret that people would go into it and not know it was a Predator movie. That would have been incredible. I have to say, walking into this story, not knowing what you were going to get other than some sort of action-heavy Comanche-setting tale, and then all of a sudden having a Predator show up in the middle of it, would have been just a completely cool experience. However... It only would have been cool for the first set of film critics who got to see the movie because inevitably someone would have said something and then all of the quotes entertainment journalist websites would have run with it in their headlines and everyone would have known it was a Predator movie likely before they ever got the chance to turn it on. Also, I think if I recall right, the opening scene of the film is actually like the Predator ship landing, so it gives it away pretty quickly. I don't have a ton to say about this. Other than it rocks. It absolutely is a very, very fun time. It is my favorite Predator sequel so far. And I would say it is neck and neck with the original film for me. I do not hold the same sort of nostalgic love for the original that some others do. I definitely saw it when I was a kid. I've always enjoyed it. But even just rewatching it recently, I introduced it to my 17 year old son before we watched Prey together. And it just doesn't hold up for me quite the same way. Once they're in the mix with the Predator, it's great. I love that stuff. 
But I felt like what Prey does right is it distills the entire experience of hunting slash being hunted by the predator. And it gives it to you in about 90 minutes with no fluff. Like characters are really quickly established. You have the character played by Amber Midthunder, who is the star of the film. She is out there with her brother and another group of tribe members who are hunting. She doesn't want to be pushed back to the picking berries and doing medicine and cooking work that many of the women in the tribe are expected to do. She wants to hunt and she wants to kind of be a warrior like her aspiring war chief brother is. Ultimately, she does have knowledge of those things, though, because of her experiences as a woman and, like in a good story, those things come into play later. And her knowledge of those skills will be handy, especially when you're up against a predator and you need every little advantage you can possibly get. The sound design is booming and it really accents perfectly the brutal and visceral kills that you see in this really no punches were pulled with regards to that. And I loved how strong the action pieces were. There are quite a few unique predator kills, various types of weaponry tools and tactics that are used. Some new to us for the predator and also by the humans because of the time period and all of those made for so much fun and just a constantly changing and exciting environment. Uh, there's great fight choreography throughout. I think this is probably the most dangerous that a predator has ever looked in one of these movies. Like he was absolutely terrifying. And you truly did not think that there was going to be a way to outmaneuver him or outwit him because he had so many cool and interesting pieces of technology to help him out. Amber ultimately gets to put into play her skills. though. So, you know, she observes, she learns, and she finds ways to utilize the knowledge that she has and the knowledge that she has gained by watching it and hunting it in order to cleverly fight against it and stand a chance. There's a very good doggo in the movie. That's another big thing that makes me extremely happy. I found myself quite a few times wondering where he was when he would disappear. I was very nervous and hoping that he would come back and the predator had not gotten him yet. The relationship between Amber's character and her brother's character is pretty solid. It's Sweet, it adds just enough of an emotional core, uh, supportive, nurturing type of friendship and sibling relationship that the film kind of needs in order to give characters a reason to want to survive beyond just living. And I appreciated that quite a bit. And then the movie is just supremely fast-paced. It is propulsive as can be. Like I said, you are dropped right into it. We get going and... It is not long before things are popping off and it's really going down. And then from that point on, as they're interacting with the predator or realizing that there's something out there and trying to figure out what, colonizers come into play, as mentioned, and it just escalates, escalates, escalates into some amazing final climax fight scenes. On the negative side for this one, the CGI is a little 
suspect. There are CGI animals in particular. There's a bear and a lion. Both looked incredibly fake to me. The way they moved, it was not natural. And that was kind of a bummer. Other than that, it really does just absolutely rock. I unfortunately had to watch it in English. And I think that listening to this film or watching this film, I should say, in with its original Comanche language, which will be an option once it drops on Hulu, should fit better with the setting. Because some of the dialogue, it feels extremely modern. And the way that they talk does not line up with the 1700s at all. Like it feels like they're almost a brother and sister speaking to each other in the 2010s, but wearing costumes and cosplay. And that felt a little off, but I think that if we were hearing it in Comanche, it might come off better. So we'll see. I definitely want to watch it again as soon as it becomes available. Uh, it's, it's a movie that I'm excited to see again, and I feel like is an instant candidate to be a regular rewatchable. It, it is the prey it is the prey movie. It is the Predator movie that I think I will want to rewatch the most going forward. And I'm bummed. I'm bum 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 bummed that this is not getting a theatrical release. It is an absolute travesty. We were robbed by the studio. This is the kind of movie that I want to go see in a theater. I want to bend my money, sit there for 90 minutes with as loud of a sound system and as big of a screen as I can to get immersed in this and just sit back and enjoy it. But not the case, unfortunately. Prey instead will be coming to Hulu, streaming exclusively on August the 5th. If you can't tell, yes, I'm feeling it, and I absolutely think it is worth a watch. Put it on your plans for this weekend. Everybody should get to this one as soon as possible. You will not be sorry. I think you are going to enjoy the heck out of it. Be prepared. Be prepared for some brutal kills. Like when I say brutal, I mean gnarly stuff in this movie, but cool, cool gnarly stuff. Well, that's it for this week on FF Plus. Hopefully some of this information will help you in your decision making. If you do see any of the films that I discuss, please let me know. You can find me on social media on Twitter at Aaron L. White, A-A-R-O-N-E-L-W-H-I-T-E. Also the same on Letterboxd. You can find me in the Feel and Film Facebook discussion group, really all over the place. I'll be back soon. Until then, keep watching and keep feeling film.